God bless you, my beloved. This is Minister S.N. Crockett, Jr. with Jesus Christ, our Lord, Christian Fellowship. Coming to you the 21st of June, 2020, with our uh, weekly broadcast, The Truth of the Gospel, The Truth of the Gospel. We're going to finish Ephesians chapter 2 today. We're going to pick up at uh, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2 has 22 verses. We're going to pick up at verse 19. So our lesson today will probably be a little bit shorter than it normally is because we only have four verses to cover. And then uh, Thursday, Lord willing, we'll go into chapter 3. And I may have a special guest uh, to teach part of chapter 3. So uh, we hope that you can join us Thursday evening at 8 p.m. We broadcast on Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. And so for those of you who are able to join us, we are so glad. We thank you. We continue to pray for those churches uh, that have not been able to physically meet. We pray that God will sustain them. And from the reports that we've been getting, that God, who is faithful, he, is, he has been sustaining them. Even though they're not able to physically meet, he has sustained them with their offerings and their fellowship. And we thank God for that because the church is the body of Christ. The brick and the mortar, that's where we meet to fellowship. But the church, the real, the true church is the body of Christ, as Paul talks about that in Ephesians, as we're going to talk about at the end of chapter 2. The, 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 the ecclesia, the true church, is the body of believers. It's a spiritual house built up. It's not the brick and the mortar. It's a spiritual house built up. And so, because God is spirit, uh, that means that his church is spiritual. It's a spiritual house built up. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, but, he, but we're going to also see in Ephesians chapter 2 that he is the chief cornerstone. So without Jesus, there is no church. Without Jesus, there, there's, there's nothing. <laughs> just, 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 I won't even belabor the issue. Without, without Jesus, there's nothing. We have no church. We have no salvation. We have no redemption. We have no sanctification. We have nothing because he is all within all who believe, through all who believe. Blessed be his name forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. Let's follow him. For he and he alone can grant us eternal life. Hallelujah and blessed be his name. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the privilege of mentioning your name, the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We just bless you and praise you. Thank you that you called us by your mercy, by your grace, by your election out of darkness into your marvelous light. Blessed be your name forever. We thank you, Lord God. We ask that you continue to open the eyes of our understanding that we may understand what is your good, acceptable, and perfect will, we, that we continue to understand what is the proper revelation of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. To whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion. We thank you that you made us, Lord, us, lost sinners, part of your kingdom. Blessed be your name, Lord. It was truly by your grace, truly by your mercy. You said you'd have grace, you'd have mercy upon whomever you will, and you'd have compassion on whomever you will. And you chose to have compassion on us, Lord God. And all we can do, Lord, is thank you. And no matter how much we thank you, we can't thank you enough. Blessed be your name, Lord. We pray that as, as a result of this teaching and preaching, and the result of teaching, faithful teaching and preaching of your dear son Jesus all over the world. We pray that fruiting gifts of the Holy Spirit would be manifested. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Lord, bless your people, bless your people, bless your people. Save sinners as you saved us. Strengthen the saints as only you can. By Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, but I'm only going to teach from 2, 19 through 22. All right, so I'll pick up at verse 11. I'm going to read from the King James Version. Uh, 11 through Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22, and then I'll start teaching from verse 19 because we've already covered um, up through verse 18. Here we go. Wherefore, remember, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian believers. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, which means two, one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh, which means near. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. That's where we left off. Now let me read 19 through 22. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his eternal word. His word is forever. His word is a lamp unto our feet. His word is a light unto our path. His word uh, brings healing in our lives. When the, when the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, his word is eternal. We need his word. We need to feast on God's word. Jesus said to eat his flesh and drink his blood. We need to feast on Jesus. We need to be one with him as he is one with us. Lord, thank you for your word, for you have sent your word into the world. You have sent your grace into the world, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. Thank you again for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would um, bless those who don't have a hunger for your word. We pray that you would increase their hunger and to let them know that your word, Lord God, your word, according to the 119th Psalm and so many other places, your word, Lord, your precepts are perfect. Your commandments are just. They are right. Your word is eternal, forever settled in the heavens. We bless you and we praise you, O Lord, our God, by Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to pick up at verse 19, Ephesians chapter 2. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners and fellow but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. He's letting these Ephesian Christians know that at one time, if you go back to verses uh, 11 and 12, he's, he, he, he lets them know that at one time they weren't part of, of, of the commonwealth of Israel 
they weren't part of the covenants of God. If you remember, I talked about on Thursday night, God had made certain covenants with Israel. There was the Abrahamic covenant. There was the land covenant, what is also known as the Palestinian covenant, where God promised the Jews that I'm going to give you this land. He was talking about the land of Canaan. I'm going to give you this land and it will be yours forever. And uh, even though they've been removed from the land several times, the promises of God in that case are unconditional. That God, the, the, uh, God made certain covenants with Israel, and and most of them were unconditional, meaning they didn't depend on man's goodness, man's behavior, etc. While man's behavior might delay the fulfillment of, of certain promises, man's behavior could not um, um, abrogate, could not um, cancel the unconditional. Because when God says something is unconditional, it's unconditional. God didn't depend on Abraham's perfection, for he was certainly was not perfect. God didn't say to Abraham, I'm going to make this covenant with you and, then, and that if you're perfect or you're nearly perfect, then the covenant would be fulfilled. No, the, Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant is unconditional. The Palestinian covenant, the land covenant is, is unconditional. The Davidic covenant, the covenant with David, he, God certainly didn't depend on David's um, you know, perfection for there was no perfection in David. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was not morally perfect. But the Davidic covenant, which you find in Second Samuel um, chapter 7, uh, the Davidic covenant is unconditional. Then we have the New Testament, the New Covenant. And we are part of the New Covenant. We're part of the New Covenant. Jesus said this, this testament, this, uh, this is the New Testament in my blood, where that word testament could also be, mean covenant. So we're part of the New Covenant. We've been grafted in, the Bible says in Romans chapter 11. We Gentiles have been grafted in. As a wild olive branch, we've been uh, grafted into the olive tree, which in this case could signify Israel. We've been grafted into the olive tree uh, by God's mercy, by God's compassion. If you read Romans chapters 9 through 11, but especially chapter 11, it says that we've been grafted in because of the mercy of God. Not because of, of our goodness, obviously, but because of God's mercy, his grace, his compassion. So because of Jesus Christ, because he died on the cross... Because his blood was shed at Calvary's cruel cross for our sins. Because God raised him bodily from the dead. Now, it says in Ephesians here in chapter 2 that God, through Christ, has sought to reconcile Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile. We saw a preview of that in, um, in John chapter 4 when Jesus dealt with the woman at the well. He was letting her know, woman, the day is coming. You, know, you can talk about national politics all you want to, and we're Samaritans, and y'all are Jews. You Jews say in Jerusalem is where you ought to worship. Our fathers worshiped at Mount Gerizim. You're a Jew. I'm a woman. This woman had so many roadblocks, so many barriers. And, but Jesus patiently cut down every one of those barriers. And then, although that woman had problems in her life, yet she had a messianic expectation. Because even though she had been married five times and she was currently living with a man and she had certainly other issues in her life, she had a messianic expectation. She said, I know that when Messiah comes, he shall tell us all things. Hallelujah. Not realizing that the Messiah, the word had become flesh and was dwelling in her presence right then. For Jesus said, I who speak unto you, hallelujah to the Lamb of God, I who speak unto you am he. And when the woman heard that, she put her burden down. Hallelujah. She put her water pot down, went into the city and began to preach. Hallelujah. Come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Could this not be the Christ, the Messiah? Could this not be Yeshua HaMashiach? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to the Lamb of God. 
She went and preached. Some of those men were probably some of her former husbands and lovers, etc. And, 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 you know, uh, uh, cohorts in crime, etc. Come see a man. Hallelujah. After Jesus had broken down all those barriers, those same barriers we put up, he had broken those barriers down. I who speak unto you. Remember, she, she started out calling him rabbi and sir. And then she said, I at, at one point, she says, I perceive that you are a prophet. But then she still wanted to argue. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain and you Jews. He, she still wanted to get into that, you know, that, that, that nationalist, that ethnic warfare. Jesus said, uh, you know, forget all that. The day is coming. The hour is coming when the father will seek those to worship him in spirit and in truth, not just at Jerusalem, not just at Mount Gerizim, but the Father is seeking those, and Paul is going to build on that theme when he talks about how we're built up a spiritual house under the Lord. Paul, Paul takes what Jesus said in John chapter 4. Paul takes through the, uh, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. He, he builds on that. He, he talks about how God, through Christ at the cross, remember I said the cross is vertical and horizontal. It's vertical, it reconciles us to God. It's horizontal, it's supposed to reconcile us to each other through Jesus Christ. We can't be reconciled to each other outside of Jesus Christ. So the cross is both, there are about five different kinds of crosses uh, uh, back in the days of the Roman Empire and before. But the one that Jesus died on is probably the one that we're, we're, we're used to seeing with the vertical pole and the horizontal pole. The vertical pole represents our reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ. The horizontal pole represents Jew and Gentile being reconciled. No more arguing about, you know, no, no more walking around Samaria. You know, walking around Samaria because you don't want to walk through Samaria because you hate Samaritans. No more. No more. No, no more of this. Jesus died that we not have these conflicts. Jesus died that we not have these racial ethnic conflicts, yet we see them going on today. So anyway, so, so, so getting back to verse 19, he says, now you are, he says, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners. You Ephesians, you, you, you Gentiles, you, you were pagans. You are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. Hallelujah. Welcome to the family, Paul is saying, but fellow citizens with the saints meaning you're also saints, holy ones, called to be holy ones unto Jesus Christ, fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. The apostle once again rejoices with the Ephesian Christians and reminds them that they are now members of the family of God in good standing. At one time, they were outside of the covenants. Covenants, if you read in Hebrews, it talks about the different covenants and the service of God in the temple and the priesthood and the offerings at one time, the, the Gentiles were outside of that. But now through Jesus Christ, since all of those uh, offerings, etc., since they all pointed to Jesus, Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the law and the prophets. All right, verse 20. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Hallelujah. The foundation is sure because it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? Oh, who? In other words, what, what's the word on the street? Oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Come back to life because John had been beheaded by Herod. Uh, some say you're Jeremiah because Jeremiah had been carried away and they suspect that he might have been buried in Egypt. Some say you're a reincarnation of Moses, one of the other great prophets. 
Then Jesus asked the church, hallelujah, who do you say? See, not, not, I've got the word on the street. I've got the word through social media, what they're saying. Now Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Peter, hallelujah, you are the Christ. You are Yeshua HaMashiach. You are Joshua the Messiah. You are the Holy One. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Blessed be your name. And before Peter could pat himself on the back, before human pride could kick in, because he had this great revelation, before he could get lifted up in himself, Jesus said, you're blessed, Peter. Flesh, but, 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 flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you, you are Petros, Peter, rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Not in the sense of the Catholic church and Peter being the first pope. It's impossible for Peter to have been the first pope when Peter died around the same time as Paul in around 68 AD. He died at Nero's, uh, Paul died at Nero's chopping block. Peter died uh, probably crucified, possibly upside down. So it's impossible the Catholic Church hadn't even risen up then. So how would he have been the first pope? You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church upon the foundation of truth that you just, that you just enunciated, that I am the Christ. Notice what Jesus said. I will build my church, not your 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 denomination's church, not your bishop's church. Jesus said, it's my church. And because it's his church, it's up, it's, it's up to Jesus to sustain it, as he has done for 2,000 years. He is the head of the church, and as we're going to see here at the end of Ephesians, he's the chief cornerstone of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone, came for sinners to atone, though rejected by his own. Hallelujah. He remains the cornerstone. So he says here, you are built, that, and that would include us, you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself. The chief apostle. Glory to the Lamb of God. The apostle, uh, the Bible calls him in Hebrews uh, 3, the Bible calls him the apostle and high priest of our profession. The Bible calls Jesus the faithful and true witness. That means he's the prophet of all prophets. A true prophet of God is a faithful and true witness. Remember, the priest goes to God on behalf of the people. The prophet goes to the people on behalf of God. Jesus, hallelujah, our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's also the, he's also the prophet of all prophets. And we're built upon the foundation of the apostles. Jesus, hallelujah, is the apostle of apostles. The apostle, so we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Notice what our foundation is. It is the apostles and prophets, but more importantly, notice who holds the church together. Jesus is not just a cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. Without the chief cornerstone, the church cannot be held together. The church would be wobbly. The church would be out of sync. The church would be out of order. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Look, look what the Bible says here in Psalm. Very familiar passage of scripture in Psalm uh, 118. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head stone of the corner. Hallelujah. The builders rejected this stone. It was the builder's responsibility to choose that stone. 
because the builders were in that place of authority. They were supposed to have that discernment that, yes, this is Yeshua HaMashiach. Yes, this is the chief cornerstone. But he, they rejected the leaders, the builders of the nation, the, build, the Jewish leaders. They rejected him. They said, we would not have this man to rule over us. We, give us Barabbas. Um, now, the Bible says Barabbas was a murderer. Give us Barabbas. And then Pilate said, but what about Jesus who's called crucify him? Shall I crucify your, 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 your king? And then in the utmost blasphemy, they said, we have no king but Caesar. Yet they, we knew they despised Roman rule. They despised the Romans having their foot on their neck, if I can use that expression. They despised Roman rule, but yet they despised Jesus even more. Give us Barabbas. We have no king but Caesar. Oh, let this man Jesus, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. They were prophesying. They probably didn't even realize it. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. Whose doing is it? It is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous. It is the Lord's doing. It is the Lord's doing. It is the Lord's doing. It is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Hallelujah. Let me read that again. I'll move on. The stone, Psalm, Psalm 118, 22. The stone which the builders refused. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Is become the head stone of the corner. Hallelujah. The builders refused, but God said, This is this is my man here. This is this is the Messiah. You can refuse him all you want to. I've ordained him. He is, he is, he is savior. He is, he is Yeshua HaMashiach. He is Joshua, the Messiah. He is Jesus, the savior of the world. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. It's not man's doing. Therefore, man cannot undo it. This is the Lord's doing. You know, when the Lord does it, there's nothing man can do. But, but get in line, get with the program or suffer the consequences. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Jesus is both the head and cornerstone of the church. Glory to God. He's both the head of the church, of the body, and the, he's the chief cornerstone of the church. Because a, a building can have more than one cornerstone, but Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. This assures that this assures that the church is in the Lord's hands. Glory to the Lamb of God. The church is in the Lord's hands. It's not in our hands. He's just letting us be part of the program. The church is in the Lord. If the church depended on us for its survival, the church would have died a long time ago. If the church depended on our our integrity and our righteousness, if that church the church would die long, it, it, it is the Lord that sustains the church upon this rock. I Notice Jesus said, I, hallelujah, I will build, oh, my church. And I know you may have borrowed some money to build a building. You may have borrowed, you know, $10, 10 million from the bank to build a building. Glory to the Lamb of God. That's where people fellowship. But Jesus is talking about the ecclesia, the called out assembly. I will build my church. This is my church. He says the gates of hell. He says death itself. He says the underworld itself. He says the gates of hell. He says that which we fear the most, that death. He says death itself will not prevail against my church because I am the resurrection and the life. 
when he says the gates of hell, he's probably making a reference to Satan's kingdom. For kingdoms have gates that must be stormed. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Satan's kingdom and the, the, the hallmark of Satan's kingdom is death, especially eternal death. Gates of hell will not prevail against my church. He said that before he went to the cross. So when he went to the cross, it looked like everything he said was just a... Uh, the the uh, the uh, delusionary dreams of a of a of a man of a madman who said he was the Messiah. No, 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 no. Hallelujah! Third day morning, as the old preacher would say, he got up with all power, not with black power, and certainly not with white power. He got up with all power in his hands. Hallelujah! So he's both the head and cornerstone of the church. This assures that the survival. The life of the New Testament church is in the Lord's hands and not ours. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. All right, let's look at verse 21 of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together. He talks about that again in, in Ephesians chapter 4. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Remember Jesus said to his critics in John, I want to say what, where was it? Was it John chapter 2? I can't remember. But I know it was in St. John. It was in one of the early chapters. It was either, it was either in chapter 2 or 3, but I think it was in chapter 2. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They thought he was talking about a literal building that had taken like 50 years to build. What? What? And then when he was about to be crucified, they, they, they brought that situation up again. He said that he would just, that if we destroyed the temple, he would rebuild it. And he was talking about his body. Destroy this temple. And I'll, I'll rebuild it. In. Hallelujah. Destroy this temple. He's talking about his body. I will rebuild it in three days. So if he if he can make that reference to himself, then and then the church is also a spiritual temple of which he's the head and he's the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, all the building. Notice Paul. Uh, notice how Paul uh, um, um, is 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 emphasizing the divine unity in whom the whole building, God, Jews, Gentiles, right. Uh, notice this is a call to unity, which is a predominant theme in Ephesians. This is not the brick and mortar church, but the body of Holy Spirit baptized believers, people who have been baptized in the body of Christ. All believers, all true believers have been baptized in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. For by one spirit, the Bible says, are ye all baptized in the body, into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, right? This is not the brick and mortar church, but the body of Holy Spirit baptized believers. We grow into a holy temple, in the Lord. Hallelujah. Last verse in chapter 2. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God. Through the Spirit. There are a lot of references in Ephesians uh, implied and stated to the Holy Trinity. The Father does this. The Son does that. And then the Holy Spirit does this. The Spirit does this. The Son does this. The Father. The Father here. The Son here. The Holy Spirit there. Notice again how inclusive the Holy Apostle is, but not inclusive in the sense of uh, universalism or Unitarianism. Not inclusive in the sense that 
you can be whoever you want to be and you don't have to come through Jesus and everybody is still saved and we're going to all live eternally in some utopian uh, kingdom. That is not the inclusivity that Paul is talking about. He's talking about Jew and Gentile being brought together through Jesus Christ, right? He says, in whom ye also, he's talking to Ephesian believers. He's not, he's not talking here to Ephesian unbelievers. He's talking to those who have been quickened, who, had, who were dead. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 2, he's talking to those who have been quickened, made alive, it says in the NASB, by the Holy Spirit. You have, he quickened. You were dead. I know you looked good. You had a collar on or whatever. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You looked good on Easter. You were dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Some of the most beautiful people in the world, men and women, they're dead in trespasses and sins because they have not come and trusted in Christ, what Christ did at the cross and the fact that God bodily raised him from the dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. You were worldly. You, the world said it. You did it. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, not the prince of peace. But at one time you walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. The spirit that would tell a person to plant dynamite in a church to kill four little girls. The spirit that would tell a man to put his knee on another man's neck and keep it there for almost 10 minutes and snuff the life out of that man. That's the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. The spirit that tells people to deny Jesus, to deny who he is. So Paul is saying you were that, but now you also are builded up together for inhabitation of God through the Holy Spirit. All right, let's close here. All right, notice that it takes uh, uh, a working of the Holy Spirit in our lives to build us up into the into this holy temple of God. Without the Holy Spirit, this doesn't happen. There has to be a working and moving of the Holy Spirit in our hearts to uh to our um, um sustain us to reveal jesus christ unto us to build us up to nourish the body he talks about that again in chapter four of ephesians to nourish uh if, he, if you know anything about medicine to nourish the body to nourish the joints uh the cells of the body have to be nourished if you get into the anatomy the physiology of, um, of the body the, the, the body has to be nourished every part of the body has to be nourished and we're nourished by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures about the foundation, and then I'm going to close. I only have here three of them. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. And then we're done. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Remember, we're talking about the church as a foundation. The church, the church's foundation through Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter three. Listen to what the apostle Paul says here. Same apostle who wrote Ephesians. He says, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation. Glory to God. But he says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me. So it's not a foundation that he came up with that he thought of. It's the, it's the grace, it's the, it's the foundation, it's the revelation given to him. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. 
he's he's letting the Corinthians know because they were squabbling over who's the best preacher and I'm coming I'm only coming to church on third Sunday because you know such and such reverend gonna be preaching on that day and Paul was trying to dispel such uh, sectarian foolishness according to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereupon but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Ah, now couple that scripture with the passage in Ephesians. Ye are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. The next, pas the next passage is in 2 Timothy. The next passage is in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And then we will close. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end a little early today because we only had those few verses to count to cover. All right, so I'm in Second Timothy here, chapter two. And let's see, Second Timothy chapter two. Let's see here. It says I'm gonna start uh I'm going to start uh, at verse 15, a very familiar passage of scripture about study to show yourself. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word we eat as doth a canker, a cancer, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, erred are in error, saying that the resurrection is past already, and they overthrow the faith of some. They were lying, saying that the rapture had occurred, the resurrection had already occurred, etc. And they overthrow the faith of some. Here's my, here's my passage here in verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Having this seal, the Lord, that's the seal. The seal is the Lord knoweth them that are his. Remember, when God seals something, the seal cannot be broken. Remember, we are sealed until the Paul said in Ephesians 1, 13, 4, 30. He says, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Once God seals something, nobody can break the seal. Like, it's like in the old days when the king put his, his signet ring uh, on, on something, on a document. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, and I'm sure other cultures, it was a law that could not be reversed. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not, the King James Version would say. So, uh, so therefore, if man can do that, then God does it. When God puts his seal on something, that seal cannot be broken. Nevertheless, by anyone except God. And I thought about when I, when I said that, the, the scripture came to my mind in, in Revelation chapter 5 when Jesus, God, unsealed the, the, uh, the scroll that was sealed with seven seals. And John, hallelujah, I'm about to preach here a little bit. And John looked uh, uh, and he wept because no one in heaven or earth or under the earth, and I believe the scripture says, or under the earth, no one was found worthy to unseal. It was a document in the Roman Empire uh, when, when there was a will, it was sealed with seven seals. It had to have certain witnesses before it could be unsealed. So you had a, this scroll that was sealed with seven seals. 
And John wept and said, he said, I wept much because nobody in heaven or earth or under the earth was, was found worthy to, uh, to loose the seals and to read what was in the, in the, in the document. And one of the elders said, weep not, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to, to loose the seals and to read what is written. And, and John said, I looked and I beheld a lamb, Jesus, as though it had been slain, Jesus, standing. Excuse me, I got to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. A lamb, Jesus, as though it had been slain, Jesus, standing. Well, how's it standing if it's been slain? Glory to the Lamb of God. How does, how does something slain stand because it's been raised from the dead? Hallelujah. And the Bible says Jesus proceeded. And then if you go back, if you continue reading in Revelation chapter 6, Jesus begins to unseal the document. And he, every time he lets loose one of the seals, it's, one, it's, a, it's a judgment of God upon the earth and in the heavens. It's a judgment of God. The first seal. You know, you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse, etc. So every time Jesus would unseal one of the seals, there would be a judgment of God. Showing that Jesus is the judge, for he's the one who's unsealing the document. The testament, hallelujah. The will, hallelujah. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. The Lord knows those who are his. That's why we've got to stop worrying about who's... Who's who's uh, who's true and who's not? Uh, the, the Lord knows who's wheat and who's tares. He said, "Let both grow together." He said, "Don't worry, don't." He said, "Don't try to root up the tares." Now, I know he wasn't talking about the church specifically in the parable of the wheat and the tares, but 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 it it could include the church because the church is within the confines of the world. But he said he said the wheat are the children of the kingdom and the tares are the children of the wicked one. He said, let both grow together. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to my angels, my reapers, go and gather. He, I believe he said, go first and gather the tares in, in the bundles that they may be burned and then gather the wheat into my barn. Hallelujah. So the Lord knows. He knows who wheat and the tares are. He knows those who are his. He knows. He, he knows. We don't always know. And I think, and I'm including myself, I think we, we spend sometimes too much time trying to discern uh, you know, who's, 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 who. And I think, I know the Bible says we should be discerning and we should try those who say they are apostles and are not. And I, I get that, uh, you know, we should do, we should discern, we should have discernment, but I, th I think we have to be careful because we end up taking the role of the Lord. The Bible says, the, it says here, the Lord, the Lord knows those who are his. Some of those who we think are his may not be. And some of those we don't think are his, they may be. You may end up in heaven and look to your right and your left and say, what, what, what are you doing here? And that person is going to say to you, what are you doing here? Glory <laughs> to God. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord. Know of them that are here. The Lord, oh, I feel such comfort in that. The Lord. Know of them that are his. I feel such comfort in that. Because it delivers me, it delivers us from having to... We, we don't have to carry this burden. You know, I think sometimes we try to be the head of the church. And Jesus said, I'm the, what, what you doing? You know, I'm the head of the church. You, you, see, you see, I'm a teacher in a school system. I'm not the superintendent. I'm not the principal. See that? 
So for me to try to assume those responsibilities, I'm out of, I'm out of my lane. I'm out of order. I'm out of place. The Lord, he knows those who are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart. From iniquity. Let me keep reading here just for a second. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and earth, gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, those things of dishonor, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. Hallelujah. Why are we afraid of that word today? Saint, I preached a sermon years ago over in the sanctified church. Glory to God. Sanctified. And meet or prepared, worthy for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. He knows. He knows. He has all knowledge. He has all knowledge. He knows those who are his. That's why only he could judge the seven churches. Some of those churches like Laodicea, they thought they had it going on. We got it, we, we got everything going on right here. We, we got it going on here. We got money in the bank. Shorty, what you drank? Yeah, we, we got it going on. Jesus said, knock, knock. Hello? No, you don't. You're poor, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're blind, you're naked. But I love you and I counsel you to buy of me. You know, get your eyes off the stock market. Buy of me gold tried in the fire. Hallelujah, that you may be purified. I'm paraphrasing here, Revelation 3, the church at Laodicea. That you may be purified, white raiment. Forget it. You got your mind too much on your raiment that you bought, you know, at some fashion place. White raiment of holiness, of sanctification. Anoint your eyes. You're blind. Anoint your eyes with eye salve. That you may see. I love you. I'm standing at the door knocking. We use that scripture for evangelism. But Jesus was standing at the door of the church. Um, hello. You remember me? Glory to God. Remember? Whose church is it? It's my church. Hello. Can I join you? I know you think you got it going on. But you don't. See, Jesus knew that. The community probably thought that's the greatest church, man. Look at that. Man you, better, man, you better join that church, the greatest church in the community, the greatest church in the state, greatest church in the province. Jesus had a different view. His view is, is, is correct because Jesus can see things. He have, being the perfect discerner, he sees things that we don't see. God bless you, my beloved. I'm going to read that one more time. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. I don't care what happens. I don't care how much coronavirus, up political upheaval, uh, uh, unbalanced politicians in high authority, the foundation of God standing sure. Having this seal, the Lord, here's the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. That is such a blessed assurance. And let everyone that names the name of Christ don't just have lip service, but have heart service. Depart from iniquity. God bless you, my beloved. And then the last passage is, is back to Ephesians. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself. See that? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Jesus must be the predominant theme of our preaching, our teaching, and of our lives. 
Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2. Thursday, we're going to go into chapter 3, and I may have a guest teacher. We're going to go through probably uh, chapter, I mean, uh, verse 7. Let me read it to you, and then we'll close. Ephesians chapter 3. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, hallelujah, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. I keep telling you that Jesus said to his apostles, he said, uh, there were kings and righteous men and women who desired to know the things you know, and they didn't know those things. Nobody in the Old Testament had the revelation of the church. They had the revelation of the kingdom as it pertained to the Jews. They didn't have the revelation of the church. These great prophets, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Nahum, Hosea, Habakkuk, uh, Jonah, you know, uh, even Abraham, the father of the faith, you know, they didn't have the revelation of the church. It was a mystery, Paul says right here, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. So he's talking about the New Testament prophets, because the Old Testament prophets didn't have the revelation of the church. They had a revelation of a general resurrection. Remember when Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead and one of Lazarus' sisters said, Lord, I know, you, I know you're going to raise Lazarus in the resurrection at the last day. So they had a revelation of a general resurrection spoken of in Daniel and other places. There will be a, 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 a let me read that scripture to you in Daniel. They had a revelation of a general resurrection. It says here in Daniel chapter 12, the very last, the very last uh, chapter of Daniel. It says there will be a resurrection, but it doesn't say, it doesn't get into things like the rapture and, and the, because the resurrection, even the righteous resurre resurrection, it can be in parts. It doesn't have to be all at one time. Just like you, you can have a cake. It doesn't mean that the cake can't be divided into different pieces. You know, when you buy a pizza, that pizza might be in eight or even 12 slices. It's still one pizza, right? That's, and I'm not good in math. That's called fractions, right? So it says here in, in Daniel chapter 12, and at that time, this is, a, this is a Jewish prophecy. At that time shall Michael, remember I told you Michael is the angel who guards Israel. That's why I believe during the Six-Day War in 1967, when all those Arab nations came against Israel, I believe that the Lord dispatched Michael to supernaturally guard Israel because Israel kicked their butts in the Six-Day War. Michael guards, he's the, he's, he, he guards Israel. Gabriel is a revelation angel. It would be Gabriel who would come and reveal that Jesus would be born of the virgin and all that. Michael Gar, he's a warrior angel. He's the one who was fighting with Satan and the third of the angels that rebelled against God. So Michael's a God's gangster. I'm going to call him God's gangster. He's a gangster angel he, and he guards Israel. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. See, this is Jewish. And there shall be a time of trouble, the great tribulation such as was never since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And then this is the passage I wanted to get to. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame 
and everlasting contempt. So there was a revelation of messianic expectation um, um, in, in, or, 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 uh, an expectation of the resurrection in the Old Testament, but they didn't know a lot of the details that we know today. Even uh, it was a Mary or Martha, I can never remember, said, oh yeah, I know you're going to raise my brother Lazarus at the last day that she's talking about this resurrection right here. It says here, some will awake to everlasting life and some will awake to shame and everlasting contempt. So there was a revelation that there would be a resurrection of the just and the unjust, but then we have many more details today. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my beloved. Well, um, uh, oh, anyway, I was reading uh, Ephesians chapter three because, because that's what we're going to talk about. So it says in verse five, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, right? The unity, right? And partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. I'll stop there. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the privilege of mentioning your name in the name of your holy son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you that you have uh, by your mercy, your grace, your compassion, you've put us into the body of your dear son, Jesus. Though at one time we were outside of the covenants that you made, Lord, with the patriarchs, we thank you, Lord God, that by your grace, your mercy, your, your compassion, that you uh, grafted us, Lord, into the body of Christ by, your, by, by the Holy Spirit. And we bless you and we praise you. We pray that, that what was spoken today was true and that people were uh, edified, those who are hearing now and those who shall hear at a later time. We pray that they'll be built up, encouraged in the faith, the faith of thy Holy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We pray, Lord God, that not only this teaching, but teaching and preaching all over the world, that there will be fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit manifested according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will by Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for his blood that was shed at Calvary's cruel cross for our every sin. Blessed be your name forever. Blessed be the name of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. Amen. All right. Thursday evening at 8 p.m., we will begin Ephesians. The book has six chapters. The letter, if you will, has six chapters. We will begin chapter three. It has 21 verses, so we'll probably split it up into like seven, seven, and seven. Ephesians chapter three, we may have a guest teacher for uh, Wednesday evening, for Thursday evening, Thursday at 8 p.m. We may have a guest teacher. And so uh, please join us because uh, um, I'm, I'm, I want to eventually move into having more guest teachers, etc. Especially I'm trying to learn how to use uh, Facebook Live with Zoom. And I think it looks like I'm going to have to upgrade the Zoom that I have because it doesn't look like you can do it with this basic model that I have that I use for my job, etc. So I may have to upgrade my Zoom, but I want to get to the point where I can, uh, you know, converse with people while I'm teaching and have uh, guest teachers come in, etc. Because uh, certainly I don't have a monopoly on the truth. There, uh, there are people out there, uh, even people who were mentors to me when I first got saved. And I'd like to bring them in and let them teach. Uh, as the Lord gives them uh, grace to do so. All right, God bless you, my beloved. Join us, if you can, Thursday evening at 8 p.m. for the truth 
of the gospel. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye.